0: Everybody, welcome back. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing the sequel to A Natural History of Dragons called The Tropic of Serpents, a memoir by Lady Trent. Uh, the book itself is by Marie Brennan. Um, so th- I think it was like two weeks ago I reviewed A uh, Natural History of Dragons, and it's probably one of the most interesting books I've read in a while. Um, actually, it was a while ago, it was like, okay, it wasn't two, three weeks ago. It was almost a month ago now. Wow! Uh, so, a natural history of dragons is basically it's a fantasy world with similar stand-ins for human nations. Like you have your Arabic nation, you have your Victorian England nation, you have your Russian nation, that kind of thing. But there, it's very different from our world. There's different religions, traditions, that kind of stuff, and of course, there are dragons. Um, and so this is the sort of like a collection of memoirs by this special lady, Trent, uh, Isabella Trent. And she is basically, this is her story of how she became the world's foremost dragon naturalist or dragon biologist. Um, and this is the second book in her story. The first book was basically, well, I did a full review on that. If you want to go check it out, you can, I'll include a link in the description, but as a short summary, just to get anybody who didn't listen to that caught up or didn't read the first book. Um, she loved dragons since she was a kid. She, due to the strict social requirements in her life, she was required to marry and, you know, shouldn't be reading that kind of stuff. So she met her father, helping her manage to get married to someone with an extensive library who wouldn't mind her, you know, interest in those things. Um, and then she went on an expedition with him as a sort of, you know, I know you like this stuff and, you know, we can do this together. And we all safe? And you're pretty good at drawing. You can help us out. Sort of thing. And so they went on this expedition to this foreign country to study the dragons there with the help of a sponsor. Um, it was supposed to be a safe trip, but things started going wrong. They get caught up in a conspiracy where they found out that somebody had found a way to preserve dragon bones instead of having them melt away. And these bones were stronger and lighter than iron. And, they were, and near the end of the book, they had kept the secret between themselves, dealt with the conspiracy... But they were left with this knowledge that would eventually be found out by others. Even if they destroyed the notes, somebody would figure it out because now there were enough people who knew it could be done. Um, and they also knew that if this knowledge were discovered, pe- there were plenty of nations willing to hunt dragons to near extinction in order to get a hold of this resource. The scientists even found ways of shaping and molding the bones to fit components. So they could literally replace this stuff with iron. This could be literally a biological replacement for iron. Um, So that's where the second book starts out, with them having spent, like, a few years trying to research a way to synthesize the material instead of duplicating, instead of, you know, harvesting it from dragons. Basically, the idea is they know this knowledge will be discovered eventually, but if they can find a way to, you know, show this information, you know, duplicate it without having to kill dragons, then nations won't go to, you know, won't start hunting dragons to extinction to get the bones, um, it's not going well. <laughs> so those good. look, so the book starts out, you know, it's a few years later. Uh, it's not going well. The synthesization three years it's three years later. Um, they out the, um, chemist. They had hired to synthesize the bones, having a lot of trouble getting it. And then he has a break in. Somebody stole it from them. Um, as a result, that means the knowledge is about to break out, and they go on another expedition to try and find more knowledge in an attempt to head off this, uh, impending disaster, basically. You know, it's, everything's going wrong, but we have to go on a new expedition to, uh, this country. They're going to study these two types of dragons. So these are, bo- are, arbor- these, uh, swamp dragons and these plain dragons, which even have biological similarities along with a group of people who seem to have a connection and a sort of symbiotic relationship with the dragons and their swamps, um, in the hopes of learning more about them and possibly finding a way to synthesize the bones. Meanwhile, the chemist, using the notes that weren't stolen, uh, is going to try and get a head start on synthesizing the bone. Uh, I'll stay up front. This story is really good. I love it even more than the first book. In fact, so far, this is my favorite book out of the entire series. Uh, granted, this is the second one I've run, so, you know, just being better than the first is already better than the best one in the series, but it's, it's so interesting. They go to two different countries, they go to two different countries, so they have, I forget the name of it, it's basically like an Arabic sort of stand-in. Um, and their social structure is pretty interesting. They have this, you know, political intrigue for a bit, but that's not as the best part, it's just okay, but then they go to the swamp, and see, the swamp is actually regularly known by the other countries as the green hell, and they meet these people called the Moolish. And they live, you know, on nature, you know, related to nature. But it's not really, like, in nature. They have a lot of different advancements of their own. They're just – they don't really have as much of a um, need for a permanent residence, if that makes sense. So the Moolish live in a place called uh, – they live in this massive swamp. And the problem is you can't really build permanent structures there due to the nature of the environment. It's, it just – Tends to eat up anything you build there. As a result, they live in a much more tribalish, but not really in a primitive way. More of a you can't build fi- permanent physical structures, so we create smaller communities, and they're kind of more fluid. If you want to leave, you just go leave and find another place. Uh, and their their culture is very interesting, and they go into the ways why they're like that. Um, I'm not entirely sure how realistic it is. I don't study the development of cultures as a whole thing. But most of it seems very well researched and very well thought through. Like there's a reason for everything they do. Um and their culture is very uh like explained. Like we have a lot of time to stay with them, find out whether they're like this, talk with them, and they're really cool, uh, conceptually too. And then we study the dragons, and uh, it's just There's just one part in the book though. See, they get wrapped up in another problem. There's this foreign country that's trying to invade the Arabic one. Uh, the, um... Oh, gods, what is it? They're, um... Skirland, Skirland. That's the country they're a part of. So, Skirland is the country Ms. Isabel is from. And they have a pact with this Arabic nation. And they are supposed to defend them. And they defend them from the sea because they... The current invading nation, which they only come up a little bit, so I don't remember their name off the top of my head... Um, is planning to take the fort that's, you know, preventing them from sailing in and launching a naval operation, and then they'll just be able to land their troops on the shores and take over. They find out they've been sending scouts in after she does this whole ritual thing where she flying, you know, has to get to a island that's really difficult to get to. It's right in front of the waterfall. Um, and she ends up, like, constructing, like, this glider made of dragon bone they had preserved. And using it to fly to the island, glide to the island and then glide back down. Um, cause it's, again, it's like around the edge of a waterfalls and right, uh, near a mountainous area. So they, she basically could glide to it and then glide back down to the mainland. She gets trapped and caught by a scouting group. She manages to escape and warn them and they have to stop them from watching the sneak attack. And there's this moment where she's like, Now I know my readers already know everything I learned on that expedition and all that, so I'll try and keep this stuff brief and short and she goes through it and he's like Alright, I know you're all I know you're all like yes, we already know this, so let's get back to the thing you're all here for. The invasion. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm here for the dragon facts. Tell me more about the dragons. I don't care about the fictional invasion. I'm here to listen to facts about the dragon naturalist. And it's just one of these really interesting things the writer, uh, is really good at getting across that these are the memoirs of this really famous historical figure who constantly references all these events that like everyone in her world is like sure to know off the top of their hands, like it's like, and it's like, like it would be like if someone in our world, uh, while refer- like reference nine eleven, the general facts around it, but didn't tell you the whole story because of course an American nowadays will know what nine eleven is, they'll know all that, they don't need to reference that. It's like. Yeah, it's a horrible tragedy or whatever, you know, a major historical conflict, the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah, the, it's like the Vietnam War or the Iraq War. It's like, oh, wait, wait, but I wasn't there for those. Can you tell me about those? Oh, you should already know those, son. We'll get to the more important parts, the, you know, economic fallout from that or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 wait, I don't know anything about that. That's why I'm reading this. And that's what a lot of the dragon information feels like. I know we're going to learn more about it, It's Partially to help, probably help keep up the mystery of all the information we learned throughout the books. But she's really good at, like, saying, of course, in my world, you guys would definitely be more interested in these facts. But I'm like, but tell me more about this! Why do we have to keep waiting for this? It's not a flaw. I want to emphasize that. It's really not a flaw. It shows really good writing and an understanding of the world she's in. Um, honestly, the thing this book, these series might be best out is Expedition. Exposition is something really hard in stories. I've read a lot of stuff, and I've seen a lot of people do really, really horrible exposition. It's really hard to make it sound natural, like the thoughts of your protagonist, or even, especially in a conversation. When you're doing exposition where a character is actually explaining it, and they're not literally sitting down somewhere to explain it, and even when they are, it can come across as really out of character especially when you start explaining the audience and by by exa- by extension the people they're talking to should be able to extrapolate on their own it's like and i stabbed him with a spear which caused him to die i'm, sur- I'm sure you understand that and then he also finally took his last breath. like that feels very unnatural you can just say i stabbed him and he fell over and leave it to the audience to build in uh that's not even a good example i apologize but the point is, exposition is very difficult to do. You have to strike that balance between telling just enough to get your point across without telling too much that the dialogue doesn't feel right and having it all make sense that the character would say or think these things in the context you're writing them. And I think Marie Brennan is really, really good at doing that. Um, the exposition in these books never comes across as uh, out of character or, or character or even like overdone. It all feels very natural and, um, in context, appropriate, if that makes sense. Uh, there are a few other things going on in the book. They have a, she's originally sent to the green hell, uh, using, she originally goes into the forest, I mean, the swamp, um, due to a deal she made with the Arabic nation's leader to get a hold of some dragon eggs, which she actually does end up fulfilling in a weird way. Uh, and in the process, she, tries to stop her country and that nation from building a dam that would hurt the Mughal's way of life. Uh, she ends up rope using the knowledge of how to get the eggs in order to prevent the dam from being built after her own nation doesn't want to. And as a result of all things she did to help all the parties involved uh, and the fact that she prevented the dam that would have given Skerland a lot of mo- monetary value out of it. Uh, she ends up being labeled as a traitor to her nation. Now, not officially. Nobody ever char- fully gets away with charging or something or getting through, but she does. She, they do try to charge her with stuff. It just doesn't stick. Um, and she, like, she's a, yes, this would be the first time of many I'd be labeled as a traitor in my life. And I'm like, oh, you've really led a really interesting life. you been labeled as a traitor more than once and not been, like, <laughs> convicted of it. That's, a that's an impressive. Oh, uh, she, it's just, she, she has such a interesting and controversial life, like, wow, this one person got wrapped into so much. Uh, and there was this really sad part at the end where she talks about all the people she met, and then we were like, oh yeah, you met all those other people in the last book too, and she talks about, yeah, I only ever saw, like, maybe two of them again, only one of them more than once, and even then we weren't really close. I meet all these interesting and wonderful people during my journeys, but that's kind of the curse. I'm constantly traveling, constantly moving forward, and I, Meet so many of them and they change out. We change each other's lives and we just never see each other again because we're moving forward and moving onward and studying. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of sad. Uh, and it's just, she's such a well developed, interesting character. She wants to do well, but she puts kind of her, you know, obsession with dragons a little bit first. But she always tries a way to find a way to link that obsession back to helping others or to making other lives better. And she doesn't let herself throw away everything nowadays just to do it. Like, at first, she, she was willing to just throw away everything if it meant getting closer to dragons, but she seems to have, like, tapered off as the dra- book's gone through. She's maturing, growing, I don't know, more, um... I don't know, I don't really know how to describe it. She's just growing more mature, more understanding of her place in the world, what she wants to do with it. And I love it. I love her character. I love her character arc as the whole series has gone on um her you know her learning to become one of the pure m- amongst the Moolish. Mule- uh there though it's the name for the dragon tenders and those who are allowed to know the secrets about dragons she ends up being initiating their uh practices and learning how they help because that's one of the cool things the Moolish actually the swamp dragons they work with they end up uh raising and caring for the queens and a lot you know setting up the mating rights they're almost like zookeepers almost or like you know, uh, and they help, you know, maintain their health and they give them males to meet, rate with and they take the eggs and they seed them throughout the swamp. And the eggs actually hatch into this larval form of like these small little serpentine figures. Serpentine figures compete for food and only those who survive uh, mature into actual dragons, which is why there aren't as many of them as there are eggs. And there are all these interesting little facts you learn about, you know, their behavior and their diet and how they mature. And it's like, oh my, it's all really interesting. Uh, it's a very well thought out world that obviously required a lot of research and understanding of things like biology and history and cultures to, uh, create. And it's always a treat to experience such a well put together world. So yeah. Uh, I think that about covers it. I would definitely recommend this series. Uh, I'm still going through it, so maybe it dinks with the end, but I highly doubt it. Uh, anything this well put together is definitely going to be good all the way through. I can just tell. (sighs) <sighs> so yeah. Um, highly recommend the Tropic of Serpents, read a natural history of dragons, read a Tropic of Serpents, read anything else you can get by this author. because She obviously knows what the heck she's doing. And yeah. All right. So next week I'll be going to see that Tom and Jerry movie that just got released a while ago, a while back. Uh, it's still in theaters and things are clearing up. So I'll head over and see that. Uh, so that'll be Tuesday. And on Thursday, I'm going to read a book. That's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, it's Heartstrikers, Vault uh, Book One. Uh, nice dragons finish last by Rachel Aaron, and she's a great writer. Uh, I think the spinoff series might be slightly better, but I really just have a personal affection for the first, like first five books. So I'm going to be doing the first book of those, um, and I'll see you then. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to the Dragons Library. Please subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library two. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for all your support.